Hey guys, it's Brad. Welcome to Remote Software Genius. All right, and we're live. Hi, Devin. How's it going, Brad? Good, man. All right, so it's happy hour time. What are you drinking again? I'm drinking a Summit uh, beer. It's a local uh, company here. Um, it's, it's based out of St. Paul. I, I live in Minneapolis, by the way. Oh, yeah. um, I don't know if, if everybody that's watching. Nobody knows. Right? You got to tell them. So to start, you have, you, this is Devin, Summit Beer, fancy double-walled glass. Devin, tell us, what, what do you do? How did you get here in your life? Uh, explain yourself to us. Um, well, I got, uh, I'm a software developer by trade. Um, I've, I've kind of been a software enthusiast my whole life. Um, I, I think I started out like a lot of uh, young kids who got interested in computer science um, because they wanted to make video games. That was kind of my introduction. Amen. Um, yeah. I, was, I was in middle school and they offered some computer science classes and I wanted to make my own video games basically. Um, I was completely ignorant, obviously at the time of, of what that was. I actually thought that writing computer code was just typing zeros and ones on your computer. Um, you, you know, maybe way back in the day there was some of that, but yeah. not even really. Um, but <laughs> I've, I've come a long way uh, from them, from then I'd say. Um, Did you do any like competition? programming competitions like high school or anything like that i remember i did some q basic shit uh, nothing, nothing yeah yeah there's some programming competitions i did some math competitions yeah. um uh nothing nothing too exciting i think there's there's actually a lot more interesting opportunities today in that space yeah um i'm not too familiar with them but you know you always hear about these top coder events and other hackathons and stuff like that yeah. um I've never participated in anything, but it seems like those types of things would have totally been up my alley in high school. Yeah. Um, I'm super jealous of the modern stacks, but let's talk about that in a minute. So your college, where'd you go to college? Yeah, so I went to a place called Harvey Mudd College. Um, if you haven't heard of that, don't worry. I hadn't either um, until I got a card from them in the mail. Um, I got I got this postcard, this trifold postcard in the mail um, that said junk mail, do not open. And so I was like, fuck you guys, I'm gonna open it. So I opened it up, learned all about Harvey Mudd. And I was like, yeah, this seems like a really cool place. Um, it's in Southern California, uh, in Claremont. It's, you know, maybe an hour east of LA. Um, side note, I actually grew up about 20 minutes away from Harvey Mudd. But I had no idea about it still. So it's not like even people from Southern California nece necessarily know about it. But anyways, so I get this junk mail in the car, um, junk mail card from them. Um, I decide, yeah, this is where I want to apply. I apply early decision and get accepted. So I don't have to go through any other college application processes. So um, I think that's, that's kind of a rare path to go through. And so I got pretty lucky there. Um, yeah. But yeah, Harry Mudd's a, um, it's technically a liberal arts college. Um, they have a big focus on a, a broad education um, in the humanities as well as engineering and science. But I'd say the majority of people go there uh, 
because they're very interested in in the engineering or the sciences. Um, yeah, it seemed so. like from my basic understanding of it that it's kind of a feeder school for Microsoft too, right? Isn't like somebody from Microsoft on the board or something, and like it, it became that was a big recruiting spot for them. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a, a feeder spot. Um, I think there are a lot of of mudders. That's what we call people who went to Harvey Mud, okay. um, who are just generally west coast people and so they tend to stay in california or go up to portland or go up to, to you know seattle and so i think just due to the nature of the geography there's a lot of mothers that end up um, at microsoft but right. to your point there um the, the the college president of harvey mudd was a member of the board um at, at Microsoft, I, we're kind of jumping uh, a little bit ahead here, um, but yeah, she was a, a board member at Harvey Mudd. Got it. So okay, so tell tell us more. So you went to career stuff. So you, maybe you must be like 10, 12 years in industry, something like that. Huh? That's yeah. It. So I graduated in two thousand nine. So okay. what are we approaching? I'm on eleven, approaching twelve or something like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, after after Harvey Mudd, um, I, I uh, had a great interview at a bunch of different places and, and decided to go uh, with Microsoft. Again, it's kind of that idea of people on the West Coast, you know, tend to like to stay on the West Coast. So I moved up to Seattle and Seattle is a great city. Um, and I uh, lived in, in the U district. It was kind of interesting. I had kind of this frugal mentality, you know, growing up my whole, whole life. Um, and I get like the cheapest apartment I can get in Seattle. I'm like saving so much money and, but I'm working at Microsoft. It was kind of, kind of interesting looking back at it. Um, not, not bad starting out saving banking cash. So good job. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, joined the uh, the Windows team at, at Microsoft. Um, this was in 2009, so the summer of 2009. It was kind of an interesting time in the life cycle, at least of the Windows product. This was right after Windows 7 was released and as the internal development was shifting from 7 to 8. Um, I was on the Windows Ribbon team, so this was a UI component that was I believe introduced in Windows 7. Um, it's, it's prominently featured in Excel and in, in, in Paint and other got it, got it. applications I, I know in you're Windows. Talking, so the, the big toolbar. Ribbon. Yeah, so that was kind of the, one of the UI developments that I think was released with 7. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of obviously smart people that work there. Um, but what I wasn't really uh, used to was, you know, going from, you know, a small high school, um, you know, small college experience where you're working with a small group of people, the Microsoft where there's, you know, a hundred thousand developers and, you know, thousands of different teams and tons of different departments. Uh, and, you know, the hierarchy that comes with working at a place like Microsoft. Um, How long were you there? So I was there for well, less than a year. Oh, wow. um, probably like seven or eight months or, or, or maybe even a little bit less than that. Um, one of one of the, I think a lot of it had to do with timing. 
again, because I was coming here during the Windows to 7.8 transition period, there was a lot of meetings and design discussions around Windows 8. And as you know, a junior developer, I didn't necessarily have that much to contribute because mm-hmm. um, I was completely new to you know the Windows engineering team and stuff like that. Um, so I felt like I was very unproductive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think thinking about how I like to, to work, I like to feel productive and I hope other people, you know, that's something that they strive to be. Um, and I, I wasn't feeling productive there. Um, out of the blue, I got uh, an offer um, to do software development at Walleye Trading out here in uh, Minnesota. And so in January of 2010, I moved out here. Um, I actually, we'll, we'll jump back to Microsoft uh, for a second. I know Brad was asking for some interesting stories earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I, I remember right before I went home for Christmas, um, and I, I think a lot of other Microsoft employees were doing this, but the Xbox games and Xbox hardware was super cheap to Microsoft employees. So I think I probably purchased, you know, probably 30 different video games from the Microsoft company store as a Microsoft employee to, to hand out to family and friends for the holidays. So that was, that was a pretty good perk of the job. <laughs> um, so you hit them up, you hit them up and you bailed. Hit them up and bailed. Run. Too big, too big for you. Was it, let's talk about the size for just a second. Sure. Like, does... First, have you read Douglas Copeland Microsurfs? Uh, I think you gave that book to me. I started it, but I did. Yeah, it, I must it, have. Um, okay, I love it's that. It's on my shelf you somewhere. Read it though. Uh, I'll get okay, to it well, don't, don't worry about it. Um, okay, but the, the I don't know. I've I've never worked on a big project like a big, big, big like that Microsoft level project. Like it, it seems just untenable to me to manage that many developers. I I don't know. Would Tell, tell me about that side, like and the whole team for the ribbon, like that, that, that seems wild to me too. Like, is that like looking back is, could you imagine yourself ever working for a big company at this, uh, again, like that size or is that, tell me, you just know, tell me a story I, about I, I think so. Uh, or or I, I think I could see myself working at a company like that again, it would have to be in, in certain roles, I'd say, um, um, you know, even, even though I, I, I've said that it was a big company and it was a lot of hierarchy, I don't think that was necessarily the main reason why I was feeling unproductive. And I, I think the unproductive nature was just, it was purely a timing play between the Windows 7 and 8 launch. So I wasn't able to contribute to what I thought could be my fullest, you know, developing software. Um, and you know, even though the company is that big, it's it's not like you see a hundred thousand people. You know, you've got your office, you've got your people, so you still you still have some sense of your team, and you've got you know, I'd say there's probably um, six people on my immediate team, and maybe twelve people on a slightly larger team. So I knew everybody on my team. Um, and, and all got along, you know, we all went out to lunch a couple of times a week with each other. Um, but I think from an organizational perspective, there's, 
necessarily going to be times of unproductiveness when when things are changing when you're going from a big product release to another product release um, uh, I, I don't know if I'm qualified to, to, to speak um, about what the you know project management for the full Windows team looks like um, but I, I, I don't I don't envy the people who who do have to manage that so it's a completely different skill set yeah, for sure for sure um and one thing just about culture you should talk about your time at like at walleye and, and beyond but from I, I used to work at walleye for everyone who doesn't know um but what i took away from my time at walleye was like it was very the culture there was very focused on like results and the style kind of didn't matter so in my opinion of microsoft from like tv or something is like there are a bunch of suits and right bill gates is working you know uh 7 a.m to 11 p.m and the facetime and all that stuff is very important like does that does that kind of culture clash exist like did you go to walleye and you're like oh all of a sudden i'm free like these guys really respect respect software development and i'm like this process works for me and i can you know kind of live my, my hacker life as, as I want, want to live and Microsoft was too stuffy for me. Is that, is that true it, or, or, or no? Um, um, you know, I think I don't have the best perspective on what I'd say real engineering work is like at Microsoft because, okay, because a lot of it was filled again with, with some of these, you know, transitional type meetings. I, I did some, some development, you know, work, but it wasn't anything that made it into the core product. Um, so, you know, if I had been there for a full Windows life cycle, which was at the time four years, and maybe it still is, then I think I'd have a lot better perspective on on potentially the corporate nature of, of potentially stifling development. Um, I didn't get that feeling, at least. Um, it was a very casual environment um, of work for my team and myself. Um, um, so I'll leave it at that. All right. So t tell me about life after Microsoft. You're at, you're at Walleye, um, Red Current, now Deep Haven. Sure. Sure. Circling the Walleye universe. And like, what are you, what are you doing? What do you like to do? What, tell me about like the success in the teams. What, what sure. thing, tell us happy stories. Sure. So, so yeah, I moved out to, to Minnesota in January of 2010. That was a cold month, I remember. Uh, um, but yeah, so so I started work at Walleye Software. Um, they're a trading firm out here in the Minneapolis area. Um, and you know, you're immediately kind of thrown into the deep end, which is something that I liked. You know, getting to work on a product. You know, you're you're. This is this, I don't know if this is a saying that other people have, but I used it before it's like you're um you're a big cog in a small machine as opposed to a small cog in a big machine so that's um, kind of the, the 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 difference that i felt um sure. going from microsoft to walleye and so yeah. i i had you know an immediate effect uh i don't i don't remember exactly what my first projects were when i when i got to to walleye but you know, code that I was developing was probably making it into production within a couple of weeks. 
Um, and, and that's kind of the timeline. I, I'd say, you know, you, you have weekly releases and, and you're, you're developing your features. And um, I, I was working, I'd say, what I call the core backend of, of Walleye. And so, you know, that's uh, um, price feeds, um, exchange connectivity and the logic around maintaining that state. Um, um, making things faster generally, whether that's, you know, diagnosing why garbage collection is taking up so much time or just generally making things run faster. Um, uh, there was a, a database product that was introduced at Walleye internally that I became a heavy user of, uh, not necessarily because I was the end user of it, because but I was a uh, somebody who can, I, I'd say, wield technology to great effect. And so it was kind of the traders would potentially come to me if they needed to talk to somebody that was um, on the back end team and they had questions or, or, or something like that. Um, so. Yeah, that, that project kind of swooped me in too because I, I started and I was like kind of strad, I had been straddling for a while this like software development world and the trading world and I started, I was like clerking on the floor of the Chicago board or the CME rather. And then I came in, I was like, okay, I'm trading. And then like, oh, you can code and Radu came to visit. Now we're, we're doing big database code, but that project was awesome. I, I, and that kind of like, flows into what you're doing now, right? Like, let's let's forget about Red Current for a second. Uh, you're, you're still in kind of data land. You, you went from working for Walleye, which is equity options market making to now kind of like selling data and data products, integrations and, and such to sure, Hedgefox, yeah. is, that, is that true? Let me, let me describe the history a little bit more. So. So while I developed an internal database, um, that product um, became what is now known as Deephaven Data Labs. So it's a wholly separate company. There's no connection between the companies anymore. Um, and they don't sell data. Um, they sell this database software that works um, with, let's, let's say, historical and streaming real-time data. Um, and so it's it's a way so you don't sell you don't sell any data it's just the so they have to like yeah. subscribe to their own feeds but you must have like pre-configured feeds you can hook up to or something right or, or no um we we've we've got you know the thing is that in the market space that we operate in or that our clients operate in um you know we're talking um these aren't really publicly accessible data feeds that you as a consumer in the public can get access to. Um, and most of our clients have already developed their exchange connectivity and their data feed pipelines and stuff like that. So we're positioning as a place, you know, you've got your existing infrastructure, you can ingest it in, into deep haven and then enable a, a whole new way of looking at the data and, okay. and, and consuming it. So, it. so, you know, there, there is some talk about us offering more of a, a service as opposed to a product. Um, there's, 
no official announcements or anything like that, but um, so. Okay, that, that makes sense. And that's fine and cool. And by the way, this whole time, just briefly, languages, you've been, you've been a, Java, a Java head at DeepHead and at Walleye, right? And then at Microsoft, what was Ribbon C Sharp or something? Yeah, so yeah, Ribbon was C Sharp. Um, so I've, I've basically- but You didn't really check any code in, so you don't- you just, <laughs> I, you yeah, I, I can't up. call myself a C Sharp developer. Um, okay. I, I was pretty fluent at it in the time. Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't used it since. I've, I've basically been in the Java and JVM land since 2010. So uh, I don't remember if that was Java 1.5 or Java 1.6 back then, but it's been a while. Yeah. Um, um, which has its its pros and its cons. <laughs> yeah, Java. No, I, I hear you. I was. I mean, my like whole university experience was all Java, and I like it's like Java and PHP were the was like the hot stuff. But dude, I'm like I'm such a Python evangelist now. Like it's maybe just like maybe idiots like me like Python is better. But even like even C C plus plus right the the Python C world you know that and you get some of that open source dust on you too uh, i'm i'm like uh, i'm very into it but anyway let's let's not get in some uh, some language word. let's talk about red current so we did we did a project called red current together um how maybe it lasted a year or two i don't even remember was it three i think it lasted longer than that so so let's go back a second so um about the time that i was leaving uh, walleye was the time when the the database was splitting off into its own company mm -hmm. and one of the partners at walleye was starting up his own passion project called red current i actually don't know if it was called red current from the beginning what it, anyways it, it went through a bunch of name changes yeah. um but um brad and i um basically went from walleye to a startup called red current you know, it was about event discovery. There was a social aspect to it. You know, it was about being in the know about local stuff that was happening. Every um, every event on the web in one place. It's still a fantastic idea. It's just, how, how did we bungle it though is the question. <laughs> like, how did it get bungled? Because it, I think it's still a product that doesn't exist, that people could need and somebody could make make money off of, but like what, what, went, what went wrong in, in your head? I, I think I think it was overly ambitious. Yeah. Um, I think there I think there's a good opportunity for this to be a one developer project until until the such time as either the the, the, the product can prove itself out a little bit more, or the API can prove it out, it out itself a little bit more. Like I'm a big fan of of you know projects that start from the core technology from a single developer and then can grow into something more um that wasn't really the case you know you know red current was funded we had a, a bunch of, of core developers we had some designers we had product people we had uh, you know sales people the, before we had sales you know, the gamut big, big. so um you know, if I were doing it personally, I would, you know, I, I, as a developer, like to start from the technology. And so I'd build up the technology in the API. 
you know, you'd, you'd want to have some open source component where, you know, people are pushing events to you and then yeah. you have these open source, you know, what's, let's call them ingesters. So I have started from a different place probably. Um, yeah. And I think that's, if you're doing it today, maybe that's, that's a place for somebody else to start. Yeah. It's, I mean, so it's, so it hurts me to think about, but it, that's so true. I mean, I, I think the same way, right. I think is we were hurt by kind of too much, too many resources too early. And I think it, it changed the strategy to let's, let's boil the ocean before we release instead of let's set up a platform that we can get new early adopters to contribute to for us and like get, you know, get support to, to standardize whatever calendar thing we can like, there's so many ways to, to encourage people, right? The, the single developer can be like, let's build one API for all calendars or, right? Like even as a non-developer, you could be like, okay, people show me your events all, it was, it was a lot, it was, it was tough, but we, you know, it didn't totally fail. We had some pretty cool designs and like did integrate with a lot of stuff, just, just didn't work out. Anyway, um, so tell me about, uh, let's tell happy stories. So uh, developer life, um, you've kind of like from Walleye and Red Current and Deep Heaven, you kind of like work in, in the same group for a long time. Like what keeps you in this group? What, what about like the structure of the management or the lifestyle um, like speaks to you or helps you or, or, or what do you endorse? Like if, uh, well, sure. tell, tell us. Good sure. Story. So I, 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 one of the things I like is that I'm, I'm not micromanaged. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, I, I'm lucky to have uh, not had too many experiences where that's been the case. So I think with this, this group that I've, I've been with for, for a long time, that's, that's one of the big things. Um, most of my development experience has been with small, let's say tactical teams where you're working with a small group of people um, who, who all have mutual respect for each other. And so I think that's a, that's a big part of it too, is everybody else knows that um, everybody else is good at their job. Everybody has something to contribute to the team. We all have different skill sets. We may work on different areas of the product, um, but you know, there's a, there's a mutual respect among among us, and a lot of us, like Brad said, have been working together for for almost a dozen years, yep. almost a dozen years now, uh, in some form or another. Um, so, um, you know, I I think I'm personally good at getting proof of concepts done fast. Maybe this is just pretty much the same with everybody else, but it's it's kind of like the 80-20 thing where you can get 80% of the project done in 20% of the time yeah. um, or, or something like that. So, or I, I'm, I'm pretty good at integrating new technologies and understanding how things fit together. So I think I can bring a lot of different things together uh, and and create interesting things. You know, maybe it's not a final polished product, but um, I'm able to to kind of move through that space pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's an important thing to have when you're developing software. You wanna you wanna figure out if something's gonna work, but you don't you don't want to necessarily pay 
big upfront cost with multiple people from multiple disciplines to, to you know, create this final polished product uh, if you don't need to. Um, yeah, so. all, that, all that prototyping and MVP type stuff, even like getting customer feedback early. Sorry, back to Red Current. I feel like if we would have got more customer feedback early, that could have helped. Like just just launch, just just ship it now, and then let's like keep going. Anyway, so you I, I know you just kind of said not too long ago that you've been pretty much a heads down Java guy for a decade. But like, how do you stay sharp? I know like even like even or Java is adding new features every day. Whatever <laughs> I remember, or they added like. Lambdas and Java eight or something like oh my goodness so yeah. cute but what but seriously how do you how do you stay sharp as a developer like what I, I know you're you're really good at you're one of the best hobby people I've ever seen whether it's your like I don't know modernist cooking or artwork or whatever it is I feel like you get into stuff and you like get into it in a cool way how does that like translate to you improving your skills as as a developer. Um, I'd say there's, there's two different things here, um, or at least two different things that I, I picked out from your question It's kind of my hobbies, I'd say in life in general, and how does that relate to myself as a developer? And then there's, there's maybe a different topic, which is how do I intentionally work on keeping my developer skills sharp, whether or not it's related to a hobby or not. Sure. Um, so I'll talk about that second one first. So kind of so so i'm i'm even though i've been working in java for a long time i like to consider myself a general technologist i'm very interested in technology um you know i build my own pcs i i've been doing that since since high school basically um so there's just i guess a general technology um you know interest that i have that keeps me up to date on let's say the hardware side of things. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, as you find problems in your job that you'd like to solve in a better way, or you'd wish there was some way to do this, but you know, let's say that's not something that you can do in Java, you know, you'll spend some time, you know, researching uh, how do other people do this? How would I do this in a functional language? How is this, configured into a different language. And you kind of go down these rabbit holes, or at least I go down these rabbit holes where I'm trying to figure out a better way to solve a problem in my current job. And I'm like, oh, here's this new language called Rust. And let me go read this paper about Rust. You know, this was actually during Red Current. I was like, guys, there's this thing called Rust. It's really cool. And it's yeah. got all this, you know, type safety stuff. And, um, and so, so I'm interested in, you know, uh, casually interested in Rust today, and 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 sometimes if I want to write a small program to do something, or I'm interested in checking something out, I'll be like, oh hey, maybe I, I'll, I'll do it in Rust. You know, it's going to take me probably ten times longer than it would in Java, but then I'm you know using new technology, and I'm probably you know a little bit happier um, learning something new. Um, um, so on the flip side, how does, or on the other question, how does, like, how do my hobbies help me with, with um, my development? Um, 
that's a little bit harder of a question. I don't know if I've necessarily thought if of it before. If they don't, it's okay. But I, I mean, I think that that makes sense. So I, I think I, I think some of like if I was if I was going to go down this path, and I, I can actually give you some good examples here of 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 where my future mind is taking me because I've got some ideas in the future. But um, I'm I'm big into to biking, and so there's you know a big um, a community that kind of tracks their rides and stuff like that. So there's some potentially interesting technology behind, you know, um, you know, your bike routes and, and um, how, you know, tracking, tracking your workouts and stuff like that. Like that is generally interesting to me. Uh, I've thought about, <laughs> you know, writing some programs that do interesting things based on the data locations that I've been, um, I think you know there's there's a program called Strava, and that's that's the main one that I'm aware of. They do a pretty good job as that. You know, if Strava didn't exist, maybe I'd consider building it as a developer. Um, so there's that. Um, one thing that I have an interest in right now um, that I haven't had too much time to play with is um, single board computers. So you know, Raspberry Pi is is the big one. Um, and they actually just came out with a new um, high definition, high definition um, camera. And so there's a lot mm -hmm. of potentially cool things that you can leverage that for from, you know, home surveillance or um, some sort of image recognition type stuff. Um, what I'm interested in it for though, um, is potentially automating some gardening stuff. Um, I've been upping my gardening game Kind of this year as I'm forced to be at home uh, more, um, taking more of an interest. What are you growing, by the way? Uh, growing some tomatoes, growing some cherry tomatoes, um, growing some peppers, growing some hot peppers. I got uh, uh, some ghost peppers, some Carolina reapers, um, and a fatale pepper. So that's 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 what we've got going on right now, just on the other side of this wall. Were you there when I threw up the ghost ghost pepper? Probably not. Was it no, no. I threw, up, um, I threw up ghost peppers. It's awful. I've anyway. I've got some some herbs going. You know, basically anything you can put on a pizza. I'm I'm trying to grow that. Um, my girlfriend has planted some flowers. I don't know anything about that stuff. I don't care about the flowers. I just <laughs> I just want the functional fruits and vegetables and stuff like that. I got it. Dude, um, I, I'm into roses. I I started growing roses. They're they're super fun. But no, I I do like. I think. As as a, a dad now, I think the IoT stuff is great, a great gateway drug to anything. And, and like Raspberry Pi is super approachable with these like GPIO pins. There's a bunch of stuff you can add. I was like trying to do a, a IoT meetup for a while here in Philly. It was like really nice. But there's there's cool stuff. The only thing I will say, a warning to everyone who get it gets into IoT, you can't really make a production product with Raspberry Pi, like without becoming a computer slash tablet maker, right? So it's cool. You can build your product with Raspberry Pi, but like the the cost of like Raspberry Pi board is still like, okay, fine. You can get the like $5 ones, but you can't really buy those at scale. It's like 35 bucks versus these like Atmel Arduino type chips that are like 35 cents, like stick to the tiniest board possible when doing that stuff. And you too, Devin, when you want to like, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, think, I think what it comes down to is there's, I think it's a more of a DIY community. You know, 
interested technologists who might be able to benefit from some of this stuff. Like what I, I think my first project would be some sort of soil, um, soil, what do you call it? Water there's monitoring. pH and water monitor. There's all, all those monitors are there's they're available and they're so cheap. It's like you get a dozen for a dollar. Exactly. So, awesome. you know, setting up my garden beds and, and tracking the soil. And then, you know, maybe once you start tracking it, then you hook up a drip feeder. And so then you can, on a, on a very low, it's, it's, it's a PID type thing, but you can adjust your water levels and then you can see over time how your soil moisture content rises and falls and, yeah. and stuff like that. So there's so, the, full, the full stack gardening, right? Is you start with a water monitor, then you add some servo, right? So then you're like IoT guy and you have some like, just do some flask backend on the Raspberry Pi, then you're a server side guy, then do your front end, fine. Then you take all the data and then you crunch it in the ML model. Then you're like super full stack, full, super full stack gardener. I'm gonna like, we should teach this class together one day. Once we get it to- That'd be funny, yeah. We should offer it, what, the North Northwoods, where's the, the place where we built that house? What was that called? That place yeah. was awesome. Um, so uh, Devin and I once did a project where we went and built a shed. It was like more than a shed. It was like 20 feet by 12 feet. North country, something. North Folk, North Folk, North, North House Folk School. North House Folk School. Up, up, uh, up in Grand up. Marais, Minnesota. Yeah, so, um, cool. so yeah, I got a lot of cool. Just get into there. get into your craft. I, I think that's that's fun and that's true. And that's uh, I think that that kind of over the long term, right? Like eleven years at this, Devin, you're you're a gray beard with the beard, you know, pretty long. I, I think over the long term, that separates kind of the wheat from the chaff in this in this game. I think because there's a lot of people get into it. Yeah, it's it's good money. I can you know build software, but like if you don't if you don't care to learn or read then it's like you're gonna you're gonna die on the vine you're gonna have this bloom you're gonna be, oh look i'm i'm billing 100 bucks an hour for wordpress sites or whatever and the next thing you know yeah, you're I like, think you can't do anything from my perspective it's it's um i'm interested in learning new stuff and i think you have to have somewhat of that perspective to to stay relevant in some regards. Yeah. Um, if, 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 if you don't like writing software, if you don't like technology, um, I don't know if I have, I don't know if I have advice for you. Yeah. Um, I think, I think you kind of have to live and breathe it and be really interested in this stuff. Um, and I think if you are, then there's a lot of, you know, there's so many different opportunities to explore. Like, like I want like 10 lifetimes and each lifetime I would just take a different path down this tree. And, you know, there's, there's, my interests are so broad that, you know, that's my problem actually. And I don't, you know, like I'm interested in this and I, I poke down this way for a while, then I'm interested in this and I poke yeah. down this way for a while. Um, so, uh, but it, it, it keeps it interesting. You yeah, know, yeah. so if you're, if you're a software guy, you know, maybe check out some hardware. You know, what's it like to build a Linux PC? What's it like to administer a PC? Or if you're, you're already knowledgeable of that, you know, build, build a BSD box or something like that. I've actually, I've got a home lab down in my basement where I've got a free NAS BSD box running that, that stores up some data. Um, if you're a hardware guy, you know, get into some software. Brad likes Python. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, wimp, I guess. <laughs> you could, you know, I might suggest checking out C or checking out Rust. Those might be, you know, yeah. um, not very common opinions that you'd hear uh, as somebody who might be first getting into software, but you know, no, I think I mean, there's a lot of value into kind of jumping into the deep end in some of this stuff. No, for sure. Uh, so. No, I, I think that's that's a good and inspiring way to end it. Um, I think the Python to C thing isn't that that's like that's the MIT like course offerings, right? I think they start you in Python and it's like C C plus plus. So I, I think you're like you're on you're on track with a decent way to learn stuff. Um, and no, and Java is great. I don't mean to like disparage Java. It's all, it's all, it's all good and, and and fun. And there's like, you're right. There's there's too much stuff out there. That's it's part of the problem. But it's good. The the one thing I will say though, right? So if you don't like to learn, get out. This is not the field for you. But I think part of my initial like hesitation to jump in in the software part is like there's so many different like organizational types and sizes and like opportunities to make money in this field. And like, I think you're lucky to like have found the right team and mentors or whatever um, to kind of keep you going. And I think like, if you do jump in, you're like, Oh, this is some, I don't know, some chop shop who's not really putting out good stuff or not really working in technology. I like like, change gears to a new shop don't give up on the industry as a whole because there's so many i mean i talk to a lot of people trying to start projects and there's so many different flavors of, yeah uh, people in terms of their seriousness or technology interest or funding or size or whatever like you can find you can find the one out there for you i think yeah um i'd also say there's like other ways to potentially contribute into this industry if you don't currently work in this industry you know as, as we've seen kind of open source software take over, you know, pretty rapidly over the last, um, you know, dozen years or, or longer, um, there's a lot of opportunities for, for back contribution. Um, whether or not that's a software based contribution or not, like I know a lot of software projects are interested in well-written bug reports or user experience issues. And that could be, you know, kind of dipping your toes in the water introduction to some of the people in the community. You know, a piece of software that you use um, or that you wanna use and, and you explore around in your free time, you know, feel free to, to you know, contribute back through whatever means they have, whether that's, a mailing list or a lot of times this day will be a GitHub issue or, yeah. or something like that. So I think that's another avenue. You don't necessarily need to, you know, pivot your, your career path 180. Um, you can, you know, dip your toes in, do it, do some of the stuff in your spare time. And again, it doesn't have to be a code contribution. It can be just familiarizing yourself with a piece of software and using it and and, yeah, I mean, that, um, I feel like that's like the back to the beginning, back to being a kid, right? That's the gateway drug for kids. Is that you're, we were talking about video games before we started, right? And like the game you're playing right now is still in beta, right? So like, <laughs> right, like you're kind of contributing as a user, like you love Apple products, sign up for the beta program. Or I mean, even like big, like uh, I was like, oh, I should be contributing to Django because I'm like a big, big Python guy, right? But I look at Django and they're like, oh, the, the big thing we want is like, documentation bug reports like don't 
don't just throw us any code. So I, I think that's, that's super true. And like being a, being a power user first is a cool and fun way to, to get, get into it. Um, anyway, let's, let's call it there. My, my drink's been empty for a while and I have a, a baby to feed. So I'm going to go do that. Ooh, fun. Thanks Devin. I appreciate you. Thank you. That's it for today. We'll see you guys next week. Feel free to send us a voice message, an email, or a LinkedIn message. You can see all the links in the show notes. Have a great week.